I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 133. Want to learn from the top 5% of mortgage brokers in the country? Then you have come to the right place. Join Scott Peckford on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here from I Love Mortgage Brokering. Today on the show, I have Julie Jeffrey of DLC Mortgage Elevation out of Calgary. Julie is one of the most positive and transparent brokers I've chatted with in a long time. She started out working for RBC, but a year and a half ago, decided to switch to brokering, and she's killing it and has not looked back. We dive deep into what she says to her clients in her meetings, how she explains life insurance, and also about how in the last six months, she's spent a ton of time building systems for her mortgage business. In fact, she's built 100 email templates that get sent out to the right client at the right time. And she talks about how that's really transformed her business. Also, Julie is going to be at Broker Talks Calgary, which is coming up in January, which I'm pretty stoked about. So check out this interview with Julie. You are going to absolutely love it. And this interview is sponsored by Pioneer West Acceptance Corp. Pioneer West is a private lender in BC and Alberta. Now, normally when we have a sponsor for the show, it's because I personally use their product or service and I can give them my 100% recommendation. In this case, it's a little different. I personally don't do B deals, so I had to do some background checking on the crew at Pioneer West and I found that everyone I talked to said they were fast, down to earth, and they underwrote deals if they made sense, which is exactly what you're looking for in a B lender. Another cool thing about Pioneer West is they still have money to lend. I've been hearing some lenders are running out of low on cash. So if you're a broker looking for a B deal in BC or Alberta, check out Pioneer West Acceptance Corps. Check them out at pioneerwest.com. This episode is also sponsored by Fundever. Fundever is a web portal that connects brokers to commercial lenders. I don't know if you're like me, but I only see a small number of commercial deals every year. And truthfully, I don't even know where to start. Everyone knows that when it comes to commercial deals, especially anything creative or private, your Rolodex of lenders is critical to your success. Fundever allows the average broker to have a killer Rolodex and it's free. The platform is free for brokers. Check it out at fundever.com and tell them you heard about it at I Love Mortgage Brokering and check out this episode with Julie. Hey, Julie, welcome to the show. Hi, Scott. Thanks so much for having me. So we met maybe a year and a half ago at a conference, and I had heard great things about you. You had came from the banking world, and you're doing really well in the mortgage business. So how did you get into the – I kind of stole your story a little bit there, but how did you get into the mortgage business? Uh, because no one in kindergarten says, when I grow up, I'm going to be a mortgage broker, and I'm going to be a mortgage broker owner, which you're kind of doing both. So tell me – I'd like to know that story. That's right. It's, it's actually interesting. So my background is in social work. Um, so I was a registered social worker in Alberta. Uh, I met my husband, and at the time, he was a Royal Bank mortgage specialist. We ended up having two kids. I took some time off and had a few years as a stay-at-home mom. And we had some personal things happen. We had a couple of people in our immediate family actually pass away. My husband had some pretty extreme stress just around that. And he was obviously in the sales role as an RBC mortgage specialist. And when you're under immense sales pressure and you have some personal things happen, he really, really needed me to step up and go back to work. His manager at the Royal Bank heard that I was interested in going back to work. And she called me and recruited me to become a mortgage specialist. So you went to work with, and then so how long were you in that role before you guys moved into being mortgage brokers? So I was with the Royal Bank for about five years. And when she called me, I, I basically said, I, I don't understand. I'm not someone who loves math. Um, I'm not someone who has a finance background. I'm a social worker. I love doing that kind of work. And, and that's what I want to go back to. And she said, you know what, Julie, you have the right personality and you're very driven. And so everything else that you need to do, we can teach you to do. And that's what happened. And I was a mortgage specialist there for five years. And the first year I started, I was the Alberta Rookie of the Year. So Really quickly, I figured out it actually was a great, great fit for me. 
And so then what made you decide to leave the big blue machine and go out, venture out on your own? Do you know, I would say choice. So we were put in, in too many situations where we were not given enough choice around what our clients really needed for, for that lending solution. Uh, that was a huge one. And the, the really big one is that we, we never were able to really do renewals or even refinances, just the way the compensation at the bank worked. We were always just sort of churning through every client was a new client. And for me, that you're making these amazing connections with clients who trust you and want to work with you, who keep calling you over and over for lots of financial advice. And I wanted to stay in their lives. I wanted to keep... Right. And it's not... At the bank, it's not structured that way. It's sort of like you give them to us and then you go find a new one. It's actually completely, absolutely not structured to ever maintain your clients. So it's absolutely... There was no compensation given for renewals. We obviously couldn't move them because they were still with RBC and there's no really very little compensation given for refinances. They're handled mainly at the branch level. And I felt like I was meeting these great people and then almost abandoning them. And I wanted to keep working with my clients. Secondly, there was too many penalty issues. So we had a penalty issue, a few in my last month there. One was $17,000. One was $32,000. How big of mortgages are we talking here? Um, You know, the $17,000, I, I think the number was, and is, I didn't sleep that week. It stressed me out that much. I felt so badly. It was about $367,000 mortgage, $17,000. Um, I had to set that client up with an unsecured credit line to sell his house because after realty fees, uh, after legal fees and after paying the penalty, he was underwater. So we actually had to set up an unsecured credit line to make sure that that transaction closed. He'd lost his job. He had to sell his house. He absolutely had to. And it was a, it was a sickening, sickening feeling to know that I knew or I'd heard that monolines didn't have those kind of penalties. And so, you know, it was a lot of reasons, but we really came out of that feeling that I wasn't doing the right thing on advice and the penalties were just, they were just ridiculous, to be honest. So then how does this apply now? This is interesting. So how does this apply to your current business? So you obviously people reach out to you and say, Hey, Julie. And then you say, Hey, I'm no longer, you know, with the bank. And then they say, well, uh, what does that conversation look like? It's really simple. It's about three lines. It's just, it's a company that, that I absolutely love working for. It's a company that hugely benefited my professional life and my personal life. I have absolutely nothing but good thoughts about the Royal Bank, to be honest. I'm still a customer there, but I had to leave because I needed to give my clients more choice. And that's what I can do for you now. Right. Oh, that's good. Well, it's, it's good because it's also true. I'm saying from a, just a, it's very positive. You're not saying, oh, they're terrible. Like, cause that's just, it's never good to throw mud. You get dirty and, but the way you do it is like, Hey, it's wonderful, but I just wanted more choice. You make it and it's a, it's actually a positive thing. So, but then what about the penalty? So when you're having a conversation with a client about the penalty structure now, what sort of ways are you advising them because of seeing some of your other clients get burned? So let's say I'm a prospective client and I say, Hey, uh, you know, this is what I'm thinking. I want, how do you educate me or advise me around that? Yeah, I think it goes back to having a conversation around their personal life. I had the mortgage conversation. I understand your income. I understand what credit looks like. Let's go back to personal life. And that's where I always remind them that my past experience was being a social worker. And I, I am very interested in what's happening in their personal life. So we talk about plans for marriage. We talk about plans for children. What's your dream job? Is your dream job uh, in Paris? You know, is your dream job in uh, downtown Vancouver? And you're going to need to sell and you won't be buying a house in Vancouver. Um, is there thought, you know, you, you want to have six kids, death, disability, divorce. We start having that conversation really early on. I talk about the D's. So, you know, death, disability, divorce, things like that, because those job loss, you know, what's going to happen? Life happens to us. 
we can't plan for a lot of these things. So we really talk about, let's look at the things we can plan for and let's look at the things we can't plan for. And if there's things we can plan for, we really need to look at the variable rate option if we're going with a bank model, right? Mm-hmm. It's still a, I, I, I'm a big fan of variable. I have been for years. And so I'm still a really, a really big variable rate fan. And so maybe that's something that we need to look at if there's any part of it that you're not sure about and just having that open, honest conversation. Right. Okay. So then uh, that's a great, I, I like that. So I actually, I'm a big fan of variable as well. When interestingly, when I first got in the mortgage business, I was 100% fixed, thought that was the safest way to go. Like most consumers, I'm like, no, no, variables are risky. And then as you get in the business, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, why would I not take a variable? And it's been for sure the best decision that I made in terms of you know, with my own personal mortgage is going with a variable. So, but right now with all of the sort of news and the pressure, we've seen fixed rates have changed. So what does that conversation look like if I'm a customer and I'm like, Hey, I've just seen that they said the rates have went up and you're saying a variable is a good idea. Like how, what, like, how do you, I know how I would answer that, but I just want to hear how you would answer that particular question. But you know, I, I just, I always remind people that the variable rates and the fixed rates are really not tied together at all. So we just go into that conversation around, you know, what is the Bank of Canada? How does that work? What is Prime? And how is Prime at the Bank of Canada different than Prime for each different bank? So, you know, what does that look like at, at Scotia? What does that look like at TD? How do banks set their prime rate and what, what does the discount mean? So I think when we give people a little bit of education around what is a variable rate and how does it work versus what is a fixed rate and how do fixed rates work, people, and I always encourage people to say, go home and you know, Google penalties, like have a look at what that looks like. Don't just take my word for it, right? You know, I give them the lender options and, and I'm, I really think it's important that people do their own research as well. They need to see outside of what I'm telling them that, that there can be some good variable rate options. And for lots of clients though, fixed is still a really good solution. It's just, if let's try to rule out the things we know could be a choice, like having six kids or maybe, you know, potentially in line for that job change to Toronto or, or downtown Vancouver. And then let's plan ahead for those unpredictable items, you know, the death, disability and issues like that. And I, I go right then into an insurance conversation. So I'm a huge fan of insurance. I think it's critically, it's so important and not enough Canadians have insurance. I talk about our MPP product and as, as soon as someone says, you know, either I'm interested or not, I also give them a recommendation to talk to an insurance planner as well, outside of what I'm recommending. People need to have a, a game plan for unexpected events. So, okay, can I ask you about your insurance conversation? So what does that look like? So if I'm a customer, actually, one thing I want to say first, so I have a similar conversation with clients about the variable versus fixed. I say that variables and fixed rates are kind of like apples and oranges. They're both fruit. But when you hear in the news, the price of fruit is going up, you have to ask, do you mean variable? Do you mean fixed? Like, are we talking about apples or oranges here? Because it's not always, often people don't read a little bit more to find out what they're talking about. So yes, because fixed rates have been moving, that does not mean necessary rate. So I, that's because I'm simple that way. I try to like, anyway, that's just my. Absolutely. They're, they're strangely really not connected. Yeah. And it's hard for people to wrap their heads around. Yeah. It's, it's both my, my, I always say it's both like fruit, apples and oranges, but they're, sometimes they change that. Sometimes they go, the price of fruit goes up together. Sometimes they can go opposite directions. Sometimes they can. So now, okay, I'm a possible client and I'm saying to you, Hey, Julie, what, tell me about the insurance question. What does that conversation look like? Again, it's right back to the personal life. So it's back to uh, what is the, what's the current marital status? And as soon as I have a client who's single, who's purchasing a home on their own and who's accountable for that mortgage payment, 
you know, I'm very bold. And I basically say, you know what, you, A, you need to get a will. So I, I work closely with a real estate lawyer and her partner can, can manage, uh, you know, setting up a will for you. So that's one conversation I have. So, you know, you may not need life insurance because your estate can sell the property, but you need to think about how long that might take for, for a parent or um, an executor to actually sell the property. And, and do you have any other debt? And what would that look like? But B, it's so important that you actually have disability insurance because you're buying this property on your own. You are 100% responsible for this mortgage payment and the property tax payment. And I've seen too many people in a situation where all of a sudden mom and dad had to step in to help you know, grow in child who, who's become disabled. So we have a conversation around, I think disability for anyone single is, is just so important. And for a lot of single people, the cost is really reasonable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you have the two years of disability coverage, you could choose to, you know, rent out the property and, and move into a care situation. You may you most likely in a lot of disability situations, you recover in those two years. So this is short term or, you know, a year long disability and there's recovery and you're back at work. Or you could have the two years to at least have that place to live, have your basic payments paid, and then sell the property and come up with a new new solution. So disability uh, for, for single clients, I think, is really important. For married clients, it's a different conversation. So it comes into a little bit around values, around how people view disability. A lot of people have a very negative view of disability or life insurance. Um, and so I find I was trying to just get a sense of what's how do they feel about insurance overall um, and then sort of chat about, you know, husband and wife or two partners or, how to, you know, what would this look like if one of you passed away? What is the game plan? I'm that bold on it. I think we need to be that bold. We have a responsibility for giving people this kind of debt load. We have a responsibility to stand up and not be afraid to say, what's the game plan? Let's just talk about it. Right. Yeah, that's actually really good. And you know what? That takes confidence. Uh, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. So this is the last part about this. So do you think that were you always that way with people with your clients? Or was that something you learned at the bank? Like, how did you get to be that way where you're willing to be bold with those conversations, knowing that you're helping them, but still a lot of people know that, but they still struggle with like, I, I don't want to like, I don't want to seem pushy, right? Even though you're putting somebody in a potential situation where it could be a nightmare for them, if you're not bold. So it's, it's deeply personal. Some of it, and I've trained, I've done a lot of training, but then my core belief on this is deeply personal. Uh, my dad owned a, a farm. We had a, a big ranch, a cattle and grain farm. And then on the side, he did lots of other things. Uh, one of the things he did was he was a Sun Life insurance agent. And so from the time I was really little, I've had, you know, literally 10 years old, I've had my own life insurance policy. And I've always, you know, sat in with meetings on my dad and people come to our, our farmhouse and sit with my dad at our kitchen table and talk about insurance. So this comes from childhood about my dad talking to people about what is your game plan? Because bad things happen when we least expect them. So it's probably really ingrained in me that insurance is, is actually a great thing. I have very positive feelings about it. And then it also comes from watching him literally deliver, he would deliver life insurance checks if someone passed away to their house. Mm -hmm. And so literally, you know, I was old enough as a teenager to see that happen. It didn't happen very often, but there was definitely a couple of times and it would change someone's life where someone's passed away and their spouse or their, or their kids were able to stay in the home, had some financial security, even though you know, a lot of times that mean income earner passed away. And then it also comes into play, you know, just thinking about my own family, my own kids, and some health issues we've seen in our family. Um, my sister-in-law passed away at 39 years old, very unexpectedly, you know, from diagnosis to her passing was less than six months. And insurance changed her husband's life and it changed her kids' lives where 
he was able to retire at 42 years old and be a stay-at-home dad because of insurance. So I've seen in my personal life, I've seen how important it is and how devastating it would have been if it wasn't in place. That's really good. And it goes back to the empathy thing, which we were talking about before we got on the air about how the key thing that you look for in people is do they have empathy? And by actually that empathy is what drives you to be bold in those situations because you know it's the right thing. And, you know, I always end it with a bit of a joke because there's a serious topic and, and people can get a bit stressed out about it. And so, you know, my, my kind of joke is always, you know, I, I'm the person you're going to call when something really bad happens. You're going to call your family and friends and you're going to, you know, have that personal conversation. And your next thought is going to be your finances. It has to be because it's the biggest debt any of us will take on in our entire lifetime. And when my phone rings and something bad has happened in your life. I want to be able to say we had this conversation and we set something up for you or we had this conversation and we made a decision not to set something up for you. Mm-hmm. And then people just stare and they go, wow, right? That's pretty powerful because they're going to make that phone call. And I don't ever want that phone call to be, I know I took the insurance. I remember I was talking about it and I'm really sure I sent the form. I'm really sure I said yes. And they didn't say yes. I never want that to be the conversation. So I just want to be upfront with people that, you know what, let's put ahead. Let's make sure that, that you are covered. Well, you know what that conversation does is it actually puts them in the moment of phoning you. Like, so it, it sort of, when you, by describing it that way, they go, oh, it makes you, it's very real, visceral. I think sometimes that's a, it's a very useful way to help people understand. I've, what I've done sometimes is I'll have somebody, let's say you're having a very stressful part of a mortgage and things aren't going well for whatever reason and you and you talk to the client, you get on the phone and because you know the personal story, say, hey, you know what, in two weeks or three weeks when you're sitting on your deck drinking a, you know, a bottle, a glass, well, not a bottle, a glass of wine, you know, just think, well, it'll you're going to be like, it's going to be worth it. And so you sometimes need to move people to that emotional state to remind them, oh yeah, right. Okay. Yes. This kind of sucks that the lawyer needs this or that's whatever, but So same thing by walking them to that moment, it uh, makes it real for them and visceral instead of just something that they don't think is ever going to be them. Yeah, I think it's really helpful for people. Just those examples, real life examples are incredibly helpful, whether it's talking about interest rates or penalties or how mortgages are processed or, or insurance, giving somebody an actual real life example. This is kind of what happened and this is how the people involved felt about it. The people are able to connect to that. So uh, I want to ask about systems. I know one of the things that I was in particular, I didn't even know this other sort of this side of how you were, but the system side I had heard about. And so you're really good at systems. You're good at building systems. So the last year, from my understanding, you've been spending a lot of time in developing your own sort of systems and processes to manage your clients. So I just want to, what is something that you built in the last year that you're really proud of in terms of for your systems? And then what's something that you sort of wish you would have started sooner? Right. So we we looked at lots of options in, in the beginning of the year and the CRM or the system, it's not just a CRM, it's it's a file management system, it's a communication system between myself, my business partner and our, our client care manager as well. It's called Jungo. It's kind of an odd name. It's a Salesforce app and it's a Salesforce mortgage app. And so when I did my research, I actually looked at the biggest mortgage brokers in the US. And I looked at what systems they were using. And Jungo is a system that all of the top, top, top performing mortgage agents in the U.S. are using. And so we, we took on this system and I definitely went down a rabbit hole for a couple months. I spent days and days and days and days on the setup. Um, and so the thing, the most of the time it took is just how to build the order of events. And that order of events includes 
what happens when and which email templates are sent when and when do I receive email updates and when does my partner receive updates and when does our client care manager receive updates. And so I basically, I wrote over a hundred email templates and loaded them into the system. And that's kind of the thing I'm most proud of because those email templates, they sound like I do. They sound like we do when we're speaking. And I think that's the most important thing about email templates. They don't sound like a computer or a machine or someone else. They sound like us. Mm-hmm. So we made them very personal yet generic. And that's incredibly hard to do. And that's a many, so many, many. Give me many an example things. of a template that would happen. And do these templates get sent out automatically, like when a transition happens to a file, or do you have to go in and like. They're, it's kind of amazing. So uh, the system is set up so that there's lots of places to enter data. And then there's quite a few little checkboxes and those checkboxes are tied to email templates and actions behind the scene. So it's as simple as in many cases. So a client calls me, um, you know, John and Jane Smith call me and they would like a mortgage pre-approval on my phone. I'm in it. It's mobile. So on my phone, I'm actually able to pop in first name, last name, email and phone number. And I click two little boxes. And when I do that, the first thing that client gets is a a team introduction. So they get an introduction to, with our photos as well, and a little background on who's who's on our team and our client care manager, Rena, as well. So they're trying to get that warm introduction to her. And then the second email we click is a pre-approval email. And the body of the email explains what a pre-approval is. It explains the forms attached, the why. So I, I always love the why, add the why into everything. So why do we need this form? And it has the attachments of all the forms. They're all fillable PDFs. And the clients are literally within less than 30 seconds. They have everything in front of them to be able to complete a mortgage pre-approval. And so you don't do an online application then? I don't. I, I don't. I think the data integrity of letting people just fill in those boxes online, I found, I've tried it. And it just, it really hasn't worked for us. I just find that too many times I'm going back to the client saying, you know, this is missing, this is missing, this is missing. When it's a fillable PDF, it's odd, but I find they actually do their best to fill in every single box on that fillable PDF. I love that it takes some effort on their part, right? Mm -hmm. So I I really, I think it's critically important. I think we could all sit on our phones all day long and, and just chat with people about mortgages but I want them to be actively engaged in the process. And I basically look at it like if they're not willing to fill in that form, they're not willing to send me back the credit bureau consent, then they're not ready for a mortgage pre-approval. Right. Yeah, it's a good it's a good litmus test to, to measure their commitment level. Absolutely. And also to measure maybe they've talked to 10 other people, um, right? So they maybe they've been on lots of different rate sites and things like that. And you know, after we have that initial phone conversation, then what we do is we send the template out. And I find that honestly, I would say 95% of clients send that back to us really quickly because it's very detailed and it explains exactly what we need from them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Jungo is something that you'd set up. What else, is there anything else that you set up in terms of system wise? I always think of the business as like, three mini businesses. So there's people before, I call it before, during and after. So before somebody becomes a client, uh, there's during and then there's after. So is there any other systems that you've developed in the, since in the last sort of six months to a year that for the, any of those categories? So I would say Django is actually taking control of all of our systems in, in many ways because we use it for leads. So all of our leads are entered and the, part of these, these email templates that I've written, every client gets a marketing plan. So I enter, I enter a name, you know, Jane Doe is entered in the system and I chat with Jane a little bit. Are you a first-time home buyer? Are you a repeat buyer? Would you like to refinance? 
Is there any credit flips? Is she self-employed? And then we pick one of those marketing templates out of Django. And for the next 10 weeks, she receives the system that works best for her. How many contacts is that in a, so if let's say I'm a first time buyer, what would you send and how often? Once a week. Uh, and they're set up for either 10 or 12 weeks. And, and there'll be different topics. So is it like you're essentially educating your client or what's in that email? They're very, they're all different topics. It could be as simple as, you know, what is a credit bureau and what does it mean? What is a down payment and how do lender, lenders verify down payments? What kind of documents will you need? Um, what's a home inspection? Why would you get a home inspection? The importance of working with a realtor. And they're very brief. You know, I read this, this interesting article and I think it said that basically we're so used to quick data at this stage with technology advances that people are literally willing to read less than 150 words. So you're, how long are these typical emails then that people are, cause it, it seems daunting from, if you're going to go build a 10 email sequence for a first time buyer, one for refi, one for uh, rental purchases or whatever. So like how long are your emails? They're really short. I mean, they're really just like a quick, you know, two or three line opener. There's, you know, I try to stick to the, the middle, the body of the email, less than six lines, and then a one to two line closer. And they do have all of the connections to our website as well. So it's always, if you want more details, you know, click here and it's embedded. The link is embedded and they're, they're really short and sweet because let's think about this. Most people are reading this on their phones. Mm -hmm. So you know, we are sitting at our desktops or our laptops. A lot of our days, our clients are sitting on their phones. So it needs to be really, really short and concise. And then with a link to something for those people who want more details, obviously are going to click on the website or sometimes I'll embed an article things like that in there for people who might want more details. But I think we need to keep most of our, our communication very, very concise. Okay. So the before, during, and after, what's one thing you're doing on the after? Somebody becomes a client. So it sounds like what's something that you're doing to nurture referrals and to, uh, you know, uh, build relationship? So a couple things. And the system, again, is, is really monitoring all of that. The most important thing we're doing is, you know, on closing date, they receive an email that talks about next steps. So the lender will send a, a lender package. They will have a 1-800 number. Again, very generic. It's not saying, you know, Merrick's. It's saying that your lender will send a lender package with details and, and there'll be this uh, customer service care line. But what will we do for you? So we're always here for you. If there's ever a time where you're having a challenge with customer care, we want you to call us. If you, um, you know, have a life event come up where you do need to sell, move, buy a different house, buy a rental, uh, we're here for you. And then how many times we'll stay in contact. So we will touch base with you every mortgage anniversary. We send a, a card for every mortgage anniversary and we do a phone call on the mortgage anniversary. And then also the other piece we've done is we've automated gifting. So I've, that's one thing I'm really proud of this year. We just did that is I've always struggled with gifting. So what do you send clients? How do you send it? Mm -hmm. um, how much do you spend per gift? And so I made the decision to stop thinking about it and just do it. And so we've automated it and we are now working with Cutco and we're sending clients the Cutco knives with our uh, logo on it. And that's just being automated. So our client care manager just sends an, an email right to the Cutco salesperson and it goes onto their, their spreadsheet and they just send the gifts out for us. And in those gifts are cards that we've you know, written and signed. And so, and also a little letter explaining that we're looking to actually build their collection of knives and any um, referral in the future, then we'll be adding to their collection. And okay. So how long have you been doing the Cutco knife thing? So that we just started this month. It's our first month. And so I don't have any results from that yet because we are just literally putting our first 20 in the mail, the, the Cutco salesperson in the mail this month. 
Okay, because I know a couple other brokers that are doing that, like James Lowen in Burlington and a few others. And I think it's a great idea. I was saying the other day to somebody, I actually sold Cutco for like three weeks when I was, you know, 20 years old. And I couldn't believe somebody. And it's the only thing I think we have in our house that we have not, that we have not replaced. Like literally, I, we still have these Cutco knives from like 18 years. And it's, we, but we bought some new ones because we wanted them and they look exactly the same. They're, it's pretty crazy how long they last. Like the shelf life of those things is like forever. So, um, it, it's incredible, isn't it? And, and, you know, um, I did a lot of research on gifting. So I actually read a book on gifting and I, I did a ton of online research. And I think the, when, when we send gifts that are disposable or edible, right? Wine, chocolate, candies, even a restaurant gift card, they're used and they're gone. And I just don't think they're thought about again. How many times have you received any of those items and have you ever thought about them ever again? Yeah. Maybe once when I remember to use them. Now, though, you have those knives, and those knives are just in your cupboard, and they're not ever going to go anywhere. I do you mean, get they... them engraved? Because I know some we people do. do. And what do you put on them? We just literally have our logo, so DLC Elevation Mortgage, and we just have Andy and Julie Jeffrey. Okay, so last bit. This has been an awesome interview, by the way. You've been so open to sharing stuff. I just want to say, like, what makes a great interview is somebody who's not afraid. Because you know what? You're good at what you do. You know that your clients are going to love you, and you're willing to share. You're like, hey, this is some stuff that's working for us. And so this has been awesome. Thank you for being so willing to uh, just be completely transparent. So were you coming to Broker Talks in Calgary in like in less than a month? So I'm really excited to have you there. Can you give us a little snippet on maybe what you're thinking you're gonna, your Broker Talk is going to be about? Absolutely. So I would say that for an agent, if when, when your phone rings or you get an email and someone says, hey, I'd love to get some mortgage advice or what's your best rate? If you as the agent do not know exactly what's going to happen every step of the way, exactly how you're going to handle that file, exactly the emails you're going to send, what's your follow-up, how do you communicate with that client, you should. So if, if, you, don't, if you don't know that yourself, you should. Mm -hmm. And so the system piece is just having something that makes life so much easier because you're really just running that system the same way every single day, no matter what. So you don't vary from the emails that you send. You don't vary from, you know, how you do your payroll, how you organize your files, how do you organize your documents? How do you name your documents? I have a list of documents. They're all Clooney, comma, George. Um, that, that's our, that's our, you know, temp, fake template for how we... George Clooney's your client too? What? Yeah, what? He's cheating on me. No, I'm just kidding. That's right. And so I have about, you know, I think I have about 40 file names, but I need everyone in my office to use the same file name so that when I'm helping an agent uh, or I'm working with our client care manager in an instant, I can quickly pull up the document that I need because they're always named the same way. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's as simple as just doing the same thing over and over and over and over makes us experts. You know, if you're a surgeon and you go in, into an operating room, there's a protocol that you will use every single time and you will never vary because that protocol saves lives and creates efficiency. And that's honestly how I think about what we do. If we can have these, these protocols and systems where we just do things over and over the same way, efficiencies make us more confident, number one. They make our lives way less stressful. They take stress away from our clients. They, they add to the client experience, but they also add to our lender partner experience. If we are doing things the same way every time, our lenders can always count on us for the exact same notes template, for example. It's very detailed, it's a page and a half long, uh, but they know when they get our notes, they do not need to call us to ask us more questions because everything is in the notes. Mm -hmm. So that, that's kind of what I, what, what I love is that level of organization and systems and processes. And you can start small. 
people feel overwhelmed, but you can start really small and just build, you know, how am I going to handle email? That's, that's it. How, just for today. How am I going right. to just manage my email? How am I going to manage my leads next week? Work on email templates. I think you can also break it down. It doesn't need to be overwhelming. Right. I think well, for me, what's been helpful is when I think about my business as three mini businesses before, during and after, then I can just target, okay, I'm going to work on one piece of this and then I'm going to work on one piece of that. And then it l allows me to like, take something that can be overwhelming, but yet uh, just target, okay, what am I going to do? Like you said, on that first phone call, what does that look like? That, if you get that template dialed in, awesome. That's one down and however many more you need to go, but it's not, it, it doesn't feel quite so overwhelming. That's right. And how do you, how do you grow your business? Because we're all here to grow our business. How do you grow your business unless you have all those systems in place? So I really encourage agents who are beginning, right? So anyone who's starting out, or anyone who's stuck around that five to seven million dollar volume mark, um, if you're sort of feeling stuck there and you've been there for a few years, I, I strongly believe A, you probably need a bit of sales coaching, but B, you probably need to have a really deep dive look at your systems. And are your systems the thing that are holding you back from getting to 15 million or 17 or 20 million? Right. That's awesome. Well, Julie, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in uh, Calgary next month. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the call, Scott. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you do, you'll get three deals in the next week. Okay, that's not entirely true, but we'd really appreciate it. Also, you can check out everything at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. See you next week.